Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to include us in it. Uh, This is a series that we have been teaching on the book of Judges, and we're going to continue that again today. And we're going to try to get to Samson. We mentioned him briefly last week, but we talked about Jephthah, uh, who was the son of a harlot. And we talked about how uh, this uh, harlot system had so affected the mind of Jephthah that it cost him his daughter. I trust that you watched that. If you hadn't, it would be encouraging to go back and watch it again. But let me first say to you, uh, Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year to you as we come into this season of celebration. And let me say from the bottom of my heart to you, our partners, and you who have given and sowed to help us to stay on the air and to do ministry literally around the world, thank you from the bottom of heart for all of the team here at Lynn House Ministries. We could not do this without you. So you uh, are a part of something that's touching the nations of the earth. We have had a, I believe it was a 110% increase in our uh, uh, podcast listening. We've had uh, a large percentage of, of spike in people watching us, and uh, I, I trust that you've been blessed by this. And if you if you have watched this and you are seeing this program for the first time, and you like what you're hearing, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch it on demand. What's powerful about YouTube is it is in every country in the world, and because we closed captioning, uh, it translates in other languages. And so uh, you can share this with people who speak other languages. And so uh, we just believe that, uh, that, that we're reaching a lot of people, but you can go back and watch that on YouTube. If you'd like, you could also go get the audio portions of this and redeem the time while you're in your automobile. I probably listen to more and study when I'm in my car driving to a meeting somewhere. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll listen to YouTube videos. And and it's to me, it's a great way to redeem the time. And the easiest way to do that would be to go to my website at lynnhiles.com. And there you will see in the upper right-hand corner, there are icons that have like the YouTube insignia, the uh podcast insignia and an Android insignia or icon. All you have to do is tap on that, and there's a direct link that will take you directly to our channel, to our podcast, the RSS feed, and if you sign up for it there, which doesn't cost you anything, uh, you will be notified every time we upload a program or a new audio uh, portion. There's also a streaming service that we have through our Message of the Month Club, and you can sign up for that. But everything about that is on my website, as well as products, books, CDs, downloads, uh, and a way to give or partner with us is also there on the website. So avail yourself to that, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. Uh, I'm going to go back to the book of Judges today, and we're going to start in Judges 13 because we have already laid the foundation to the book of Judges about how it starts out by saying, now after the death of Joshua. And uh, so the, the whole theory or a whole theme of what I'm sharing from the book of Judges is what happens after the death of Joshua. 
Well, we know that Joshua's name in the Hebrew is the same name as Jesus. It is Yeshua. So the book of Joshua, or the book of Judges, and I'm not going to take a long time to review this because I do it every program just about, is that it's a theme of, is what happens after the death of Jesus. So these judges speak of judgments that we can execute by faith, and every one of them does something in the visible realm that's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For instance, we just did five weeks on Gideon, who was threshing wheat, hiding it under the wine press. And so that speaks to me of bread and wine. It's the New Covenant communion meal. And I could go into a lot more of a review, but it's already there on YouTube. And so uh, the book of, of, of Judges is about us enforcing what was paid for in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because what happens is every problem these people are having in the book of Judges was because of their failure to drive out of the land the things that God told them to drive out, and they were willing to live with some enemies. Those enemies ultimately, according to the first two chapters of the book of Judges, would become thorns in their sides. And when I first introduced this, I said to you, what are you willing to live with? Because whatever you're willing to live with might be the thing that comes back to be a thorn in your side. And while it's not God doing it to you, it's reaping what you sowed, or it is the consequences of realizing that there's some stuff that I still need to overcome and conquer. Now, I'm not talking about performance or human sweater trying to earn God's approval or His righteousness. That is a gift. You've got that. I'm talking about coming to a place of recognizing your identity, and because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you can overcome some of the enemies that have uh, been in your land, whether they are sin, sickness, poverty, death. My question is, what are you willing to live with? And I prayed, I, I, I've shared this story recently about being in a meeting and uh, uh, people were getting healed and, and there was some miracles taking place in these meetings. And the second night of this revival, a woman comes up to me before the service and she said, Dr. Howes, she said, if the Lord gives you anything for me tonight, don't give it to me. She said, because I just got my disability check, and I don't want to get healed. And I almost had to laugh at that. And I thought to myself, she'd rather have a disability check than she would to get healed. So she said, don't give it to me. So I'm thinking to myself, what are you willing to live with? If you're willing to live with sickness, sometimes I think we have claimed things that don't belong to us. It's not my disease. It's not my sugar diabetes. It's not my cancer. It doesn't belong to me. I'm going to dispossess it. I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody that's struggling with sickness. I'm just saying we need to turn our focus to the provision and stand in faith for what God has given to us and to execute that judgment written. So we're going to begin with Samson today because this is really where this whole series was, was birthed as the Lord spoke to me one day back last year early in, uh, no, earlier this year, and he said to me, Samson's hair was growing back. And I said, Lord, what he said, he said, there's a return to the right covenant. There's a return to integrity. There's a return to our purpose. The church is awakening to its destiny. And so we're going to look at some things concerning 
Samson that I think are parallels to several things. Number one, I think they are types and shadows of things that you and I need to apply as concerning uh, our own. I think we, I think God is speaking to many and especially to leaders and pastors. It's time to take your head out of the life of the harlot and quit moaning and groaning for an hour and a half because the money's right and do what God sent you to do, and that's to bring deliverance to God's people and to shake the kingdoms of darkness like Samson ultimately does in his death. And what that points to me as, and we're going to see that a little bit clearer as we go, is it points to me to the greater Nazarene, who is Jesus Christ, who in his death gathers all the powers of darkness are gathered together to there at his death as the, if you will, uncircumcised Philistines are mocking him and making fun of him and pointing out and just, you know, spitting on him and wounding him and all the stuff that went on with Jesus. He is a picture of the greater Nazarite that said, bring me to the pillars of the temple. And in the death of that greater Nazarite, Jesus Christ, pictured in Samson, he shakes the powers of darkness and kills and destroys more in his death than he did in his entire life. And so the death of Jesus exacted some things. And again, that's what we're saying out of the book of Judges is that the book of Judges is executing the judgment of what was accomplished in his death burial and resurrection. And you can see that when Jesus was on the cross, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, but the verse above that says, now is the judgment of this world come, now is the prince of this world judge. Now, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. So he didn't only just draw men into himself, he drew all judgment into himself, and he answered the demand that death and the law could make on him. And he died the death that you and I had coming to shake the powers of darkness and to see his kingdom established as Jesus is Lord, he's not going to be Lord, he's Lord right now. So let's open to Judges, the 13th chapter. It says, and again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, indeed, now you are barren. And have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, see, again, I want to draw some parallels because this really points to me to the greater Nazarene, Jesus Christ, because the angel of the Lord appears to Mary. We're in this Christmas season right now, and the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, and you will conceive and bear in your womb. And she said, uh, she said, how can this thing be, seeing I do not know a man? And the answer was the Holy Spirit. I think that as I look at that story and I compare it to uh, Manoah and his wife who was barren, Mary was barren. The angel of the Lord appears to Manoah and his wife. And he, you have, uh, you know, in the, uh, uh, the, in, in the, in the New Testament, the, the women who make the genealogy of Jesus, several of them, uh, many times Elizabeth is in this picture. She's barren. Uh, Mary uh, is barren. She has had no children. In other words, there are barren women down through 
history, that seemed to be always where the seed comes to place. And he says, sing, O barren, and you did not bring forth. Because as you see that in Galatians chapter 4, the barren seems to be the one that doesn't look to be productive, but it is the one that the new covenant promise comes from because it doesn't look like it is as fruitful as an old covenant system that can seem to produce a lot of children. But the promise seed comes through, uh, if you will, a barren woman. And so when Mary says, how can this thing be? I have to think in my mind at times as I've looked at what I believe God is looking for in our lives. How can this thing be? God, how can you do this? How, how can I live the Christian life? How can I walk in holiness? How can I overcome? How can I speak the truth to myself in love? How can I overcome the enemies that we've allowed to live in our land? How can I overcome the struggles that I'm going through? The answer is the same as it was to Mary. And the Holy Ghost says to him, or her, to her, I'm sorry, uh, God says to her, well, she says, how can this thing be, seeing I do not know man? First of all, you've got to understand that the strength of this does not come from man. But the answer to how can this thing be is the answer is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will overshadow you, and the power of the highest will come upon you, and that which will be born in you will be of the Son of God. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. So the uh, the glory of this is, is that God's given her an answer. How can this thing be? There are, I feel like while I'm saying this, there are people facing insurmountable things right now. You're listening to me right now, and you're, you're facing some struggles, and you're facing some stuff. And you're saying, God, I don't, I don't see any way out of this. I don't see how, you're gonna, how I can get out of this financial struggle. I don't know how you're going to deal with my marriage. I don't know how you're going to deal with this health crisis I'm walking through. Listen to me as I prophesy to you. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The Holy Ghost is coming on somebody right now while I'm saying that. You'll feel that from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The Holy Ghost shall come upon me, and the power of the highest will come upon you. And this is your response, just like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, I'm agreeing with what you said. And I think it is incredible that in the time of Jesus, I can't help but think about my dad this, this time of the year and the season that we're in, uh, where, uh, you know, in Luke's gospel especially, it says, and there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. My dad used to read that Christmas story every Christmas morning when we'd all gather together, we'd read, that was a tradition, to read the Christmas story. And he would say, and there went out a decree from Caesar in August. And so we always had a joke running among us. One of Caesar's going to get his degree in August. But it said, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And the reality of it is, is that speaks volumes to me because we are in a season where all the world is being taxed. And I don't mean that in the sense of just finances because we're being taxed that way too. I mean, there's all kinds of taxes. But when I'm talking about taxing, I'm talking about taxing time and, st and stress. But the season of taxing was so that every man, what happened was that, that the decree went forth so that every man would go to his own city and to the house of his lineage to be taxed, 
So what happens in taxing time is it will drive you into your identity, into the house of your lineage. It will drive you to the house of Bethlehem, Judea, the house of bread. The best thing you can do when you're in a season of taxing is follow the smell of fresh baked bread. There's bread baking in the true house of God. Bethlehem, Judea, and then find yourself in praise because that's where she found herself. And then you will find out that the message that God is declaring is not doom and despair. It is not the sky is falling. It is not this is it. And looking at how bad it is and watching the news, you're going to hear the same message that was given that first, if you will, Christmas season. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. That's the posture and the heart of God. Peace, goodwill, not just to one ethnic group, but to all men. Peace, goodwill towards men. And suddenly there was a host with them saying, glory to God in the highest. And then there were shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. I think that speaks of pastors who are in a night season, who don't know what to do in this night season. And they're watching their flocks by night. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared unto them and said, I'm going to bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior not a judge, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. John 3, 16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, you know, I had a friend used to say it like this, if God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, I doubt that he sent you. And so what I see is that God is raising up a people who are going to declare some things in the earth that heaven is saying. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look. If you are looking and your perspective is, you are looking at the realm of dust, you're looking into the realm of the earth, and you're looking into the things that are happening in our world system to get bogged down and speak concerning those things. But if you look into the heavens and you look at what heaven is saying, heaven declares something different than what you see because preaching the problem doesn't help. I was listening to someone recently on a podcast, really spoke to me, and he said he had, had this vision of... Uh, uh, of a city that he was in. And he said there was this snake, this huge snake around this city. And uh, he said, you know, at that time, he was really heavily into the spiritual warfare thing and, uh, you know, it was just wore out all the time fighting. And he said that this snake kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said as he was looking at this situation, the Lord said to him, the snake is getting bigger because the prophets are making him bigger and the preachers are making him bigger. And he said, what are you saying? He said, because what happens is we preach the problem more than we preach the answer. See, if the devil was a snake in the grass in the book of Genesis, by the time you get to Revelation, he's a great red dragon. Someone has fed him a lot of dust because that's what he eats. 
That's what fattens him up. And the more we focus on the enemy and how bad, I used to sit in church, hear him talk about, I mean, the devil was everything. It was like the devil's this, the devil's that, the devil's fighting me here, the devil didn't want me to come to church, the devil's fighting the service, you know, and it was devil, 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 and the devil's like, look how dark it is. I started, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there as a young, young man thinking, maybe I'm on the wrong side here. You know, I mean, the devil's that big, you know, he, he evidently bigger than God. We preach the devil bigger than God, and we have created a great big snake. I think it's time to shift, like David said, and say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Let's declare a great big God, a wee little defeated devil, and a dead old man. And the more we do that, the more we're going to, uh, we're going to see the victory come as we say, just like I said, in the time and season of darkness and, and the time and season of barrenness and then the time of season when it doesn't seem like anything's happening, the angel of the Lord appears just like it did to Manoah and his wife, just like it did to Mary, and it begins to declare, there is a deliverer coming. There is a Nazarite. And uh, it goes on to say, and the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God, very awesome. But I did not ask him from where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Noah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah rose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. He's very similar. Be it unto me according to your word. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? And that when you, your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask me my name, seeing it is wonderful? Now, I, I, I don't know if you see the connections here between this and the birth of Christ. But the scripture declares his name will be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. So he's saying, you're asking me my name. My name is Wonderful. I see so many parallels connecting this to the birth of Jesus, who is the greater Nazarite, 
to, uh, you know, uh, not so much the strength that was in his hair, but in the power of the covenant. That's the issue here. I believe that when we speak of of Samson, we're talking about a return to the right covenant. And that covenant is a return to the new covenant. And that new covenant is full of promises of peace, goodwill to men, and a victory over your enemies. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted our burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things at the, at, as these at this time. So the woman bore a son, called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanaeah, Dan between Zor and Eshtah. Now, you know, I kind of have to laugh a little bit because here's Manoah saying, man, we've seen God, and we're going to die. And uh, his wife says, listen, if God wanted to kill us, he could have killed us a long time ago. Furthermore, if he was going to kill us, he would not have given us instructions on how to raise this child. And, you know, I'm amazed sometimes at how we have been taught because of a wrong system that God is always out to get you and that the judgment of God is always about to fall on you. God is not God is more interested. Let me make this statement as clear as I know how to. God is more interested in delivering from you and saving you from your sin than he is in judging you for it. He didn't come simply to be the judge. He came to be your deliverer. And many times I think we've been in our uh, own rebellions thinking, well, God is out to get me when he's not out to get me. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he has sending this Nazarite, this one born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And if we're sons, then we're heirs of God and join heirs with Christ Jesus. And that's what Samson is about, is restoring us back to our inheritance and removing us from all of the chaos all the darkness, all the taxing, all of the stuff that was happening even during this period of time in history. Well, we're about out of time on this first session on Samson. So if you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, we truly do need your help to be able to stay on the air. So take a moment to go to our website, and uh, there is a link where you can give through our PayPal portal via credit card or debit card if you would like and you want to, You can set up a monthly debit there where you can become a monthly partner or you can give a one-time gift. It's very easy to do that. Also, you can send a check or money order to the number that will come up on the screen uh, or or the address, I'm sorry, that will come up on the screen. Uh, You can also call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call and you can give over the telephone. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and someone from the team will call you back. We're very limited, so just wait on our return call. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.